Intentionally Disruptive is brought to you by Microformulas. Creating solutions that work is what we do. Restoring hope and health is who we are. Visit Microformulas online at microformulas.com. A podcast about life. Everything it can throw at you. And how to handle it. Real people talking about life's real issues. This is Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. I'm going to need a nap after this episode. I need about a good solid week of sleep after spending a, a week with you. <laughs> Woo! We'll dive into why I'm like that. Wow. Our series this month is called Me 2.0. Can I get a rewrite? It's all about starting over. Now, so far, we have covered career change, life after a divorce, uh, starting over after hitting rock bottom from drug addiction and prison time. Now, this episode is number four of the series. It's called Does This Make Me Look Fat? Man, I have struggled hard with my weight, which is so weird because for so long I was the fit and shape one. And now here I am, 80. Oh my gosh, I just burped. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> you gurgled. <laughs> it was a gurgle burp. <laughs> Man. Here I am, 87 pounds overweight. This has been three years. So in three years, I have gained 87 pounds. My weight struggles uh, actually started after my hysterectomy. I was 31, had emergency hysterectomy. A year later, I rheumatoid arthritis. And I think I'm at the point now where I haven't given up, obviously, because I'm, I'm here addressing the issue. Um, but I'm in this cycle of starting a new life every week and I can't get out of it. So I'll start like some kind of diet on a Monday. By Wednesday, I'm drinking wine and eating loads of carbs. And for me personally, I know where it's coming from. Um, and I think it's my anxiety. Like, Adam, you know, we've talked about this. It's my anxiety of just not slowing down and taking care of myself. And I think that's my big struggle. You as well. You struggled with your weight. I'm probably, mm, I don't know. I said I'm probably a good 30 pounds overweight. And, oh, God, it is. It's exhausting because, like you, I think I know what I need to do. I, I mean, anybody can figure out what a healthy diet is. Come on. We're adults. We know what's we know healthy what to do. and what's not. But for us personally, what is it? How can we identify it? And to be honest with you, I think with you and I, we're very similar in our mindset about the whole we're not good enough. Yeah. We're uh, not good enough. But is that the reason? But there, there are a lot of things that contribute to that. Like, for example, why don't I think I'm good enough? Let's take my ex-wife, for example. Very beautiful. Petite, has had two kids. She's like not human. Still small. She'd have a baby and have a six pack the next day. Probably the world's fastest metabolism. Now, even though I've I've put on weight, like when we first got together, I was uh, you know thinner than I am now. But throughout that, you know how many people, and they say this jokingly, but really, you take it to heart. Oh wow! Either something like. Uh, How'd you get her? Or you're a lucky guy. Like, I'm so gross and whatever that I'm lucky to have this beautiful woman. And after that happens repeatedly, it starts to affect you. Like, people actually say that to you? Yeah. Really? That's a thing. That's a thing people say all the time to not just me. I mean, it's, it's happened. I've seen it happen to other people. I bet people ask Dave that all the time. You know? <laughs> Is that too self-deprecating? Yeah. yeah. But, you know. <laughs> like, we used to be about equal. Now it's like, whoa, what? That doesn't make sense. Is that your mom? And for someone who is not 
very confident to begin with, that starts to take its toll. And eventually you're like, well, you know what? I get, I, maybe I'm not. I'm, I don't know. I can't tell you. I always tell myself I'm funny. That's why she, you know, she married me. Well, I'm that, funny. That's what this episode is all about. It's all about self-image. We're going to dive in. See how we can change our mindset. If you're struggling with your weight or just self-love, Microformula's life coach, Sarah Fisk, she's our friend too. She's the professional. This is her expertise. We're going to treat this like a life coach session. And I'll go first. So I've been listening to you, you know, obviously over the last couple of minutes. And there's a lot of different factors that contribute to weight gain. And it sounds like you've had several of them. Sometimes changes in our body, changes in the way that our hormones work then there's also changes in the way that we desire food. And so it sounds like you might have some of both going on, but let me ask you some questions. Okay. After your hysterectomy, what did they do for you in terms of hormone support? Nothing. Okay. But I got my hormones checked. Everything's good. I, 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 you know, of course, I was coming up with excuses as to why this weight gain was taking place. So I got my hormones. I went to see a therapist or um, a, a specialist, a hormone specialist. My test came back great. I, I have no issues with my hormones. Okay. Okay. So that that excuse is gone. <laughs> well, but maybe not entirely. And and let me explain why. So there are. I, I am not a doctor, and let me start by saying that. But I understand on a very rudimentary level the way that hormones govern the use of food in our bodies. And so insulin, leptin, and ghrelin are the three that really we want to take a look at for things like using food, using energy, storing fat, metabolism, and all of those things. And you and I are kind of in the same age range. And so we came of age during like the big cold cereal explosion and packaged foods and oh, yeah. all of these instant, very easy to make powders and, and things, highly processed foods. And so by the time you get up into your late 30s, early 40s, like we are, your body has become insulin resistant because of all of the prepackaged food, very high flour, high sugar, simple carbohydrates that we, where the American diet really pivoted toward a lot of those highly processed foods while you and I were growing up. And so insulin resistance is basically the state where your body overproduces insulin because it has been triggered to do so by all of these very refined foods. And so you find yourself Overproducing insulin and overproduction of insulin means overstorage of fat. So how can this, again, you know, I'm 38 now. This is what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. And maybe maybe this is the answer because I've, I've gotten all the blood work to figure out. I don't know if that's something that you could see in blood work. You can't. Yes. You can see it. Yes. Mm-hmm. OK, because I've, I've had doctors dissect this because I, I was trying to figure out every reason why this was happening. And it all boils down to for me personally, I think it's a mindset thing because all of my blood tests come back great. And so I'm like, okay, well now on to the next thing. And it's what's weird to me is that my entire life, again, I was an athlete in, in high school and college, even up until probably 35, I was pretty active in the gym and, and staying fit. And then after all of my health issues and I had some personal turmoil um, with my family and my marriage, it seems like at that point, that's when the shift happened. Well, that's the other part of it. So on the one hand, you have your body and hormones that are not working as they should, overproduction of insulin. 
But then sometime during our lives, we discover that food is a very handy way to turn off uncomfortable emotions. And that's kind of the double whammy. I mean, what feels better when you're depressed than a cookie or a donut or potato chips, right? Very highly processed. Double layer chocolate cake. (laughs) Right. Right. And so at some point we make the connection, oh, when I eat this, I think I feel better. And there's a whole other reward system in the brain and dopamine gets released and you're like, oh, there's chocolate cake. I need more of it. And so we condition ourselves almost unwittingly to go to food as a way to feel better. I always feel worse <laughs> well, afterwards. I mean, it right. helps it helps in the while I'm eating it, but afterwards I feel terrible. And I'm like, why did I do that? Absolutely. All right, now on to the new diet on Monday. Exactly. And the problem with the new diet on Monday is that usually, and tell me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like you're going into the diet like, no more, this stops right now. It's got to, oh. I, I, I hate this. And you absolutely so so you go into this diet fueled by like self-hatred and just think that any diet is like a car and whatever gas you put in it, you have to keep putting in. So if you're fueling your diet with self-hatred, you have to keep hating yourself as the fuel to keep going. Oh, and that's that's exhausting. It is. It is. Right. Yeah. So no wonder. And it's expensive. It's. It's, I mean, it's expensive. The diet foods, like, you know, like I, I've tried, I, I'm currently doing Optavia. Uh-huh. So I, that's like $500 a month. So doing that, trying to, you know, normalize and stabilize, um, you know, like you said, like my uh, insulin and things like that, that's what they specialize in. But again, three days, four days in, I'm like, man, because, you, you know, I, I like to have a glass of wine with dinner um, and, you know, I like my carbs and things like that. I, I always end up three days in dropping the ball and I feel so terrible about myself afterwards. Well, here's the thing that is not commonly understood. Now, if you and I had, you know, multiple sessions, we would talk about how you particularly as a woman have been programmed to think that your body should look a certain way. Yes. And that there is decades and decades and decades of that programming, like running in your brain that you might even not always be aware of. But what happens is, is it makes a lot of women hate the bodies that they're in because it doesn't look like what they've been taught it should look like. And so we try to take all that hate and self-disgust and self-loathing, and we try to beat ourselves into submitting to this diet, and it just feels terrible. And we get tired of feeling terrible, and we're like, I just want a cookie. Yeah. And so then we have the cookie, and then we're like, well, damn it, now I've, I've ruined everything. I might as well have yes. the wine, the pizza, yep. the cheeseburger, because yep. I've ruined everything. And then we flush ourselves, I call it flushing ourselves down the toilet. We just spin and spin and spin and spin and all these terrible negative thoughts about ourselves. And then it takes a while, but we recover and we start hating ourselves again, throw ourselves into another diet. And just the cycle continues and continues and continues because we're never taught that there's actually another way to lose weight. Where do I need to be? I, obviously, we're moving forward, you and I are going to have sessions. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start scheduling sessions with you. Yes. Um, but what uh, what can I do? What, where can I, I guess, start? I'm going to throw the most radical thing I teach at you, and that is it is possible to lose weight from self-love. It is possible to love yourself so much that you have such high regard for like the beautiful instrument that your body is that you just will not fuel it 
with crap, at least not regularly. It's possible to discipline yourself from compassion. And so the very first question that I like to ask is just, just pretend with me. What would it be like to discipline yourself in one small way, but not from self-hate, but from compassion for yourself? Um, one thing that I could do is consistently get up and do my walks in the mornings. That, that's one of the things that I, the extremes that I do, I'll go from zero to 100 and really, I need to start walking before I run. Yes. And so yes. the walking to me is so therapeutic. It's so simple, but I feel my best when I get up in the morning before work and I do my three mile loop and it just gets me outside. It makes me feel better, but I'm not consistent with it. I haven't been since it's gotten, you know, obviously we're in winter, but um, I, I kind of let that go when it gets colder outside and I shouldn't. I, th I think now more than ever, as far as the seasons go, this is when I need to be outside doing that because it's kind of depressing. It gets dark at like five o'clock, you know, so that's one that's one place that I could start. Why do you think you're not consistent with it? I'm consistent with it when it's nice outside. Okay. It's not easy getting up and going outside when it's 23 degrees out. I've done it. I'm just not consistent in the winter. So as far as like where I'm at right now today, that's where I could start. There's no, there's a no excuse thing. Like that makes me feel better. Even when it is cold outside, I feel better when I come back. The other thing that I'll just point out for, for you to consider, this might be going on, this might not be, you can tell me. With a lot of the, the women that I coach about this very issue who are type A driven, getting all the things done every day, like a three mile walk, they have a hard time letting that count. They're like, I want to do a three-mile walk. I want to pay attention to my calories and stay within my eating window. I want to get all my work done. I want to, right? It's like... Oh, yeah, that is so me. That's exactly how I feel. Can it just be an act of compassion to say a walk is enough and I'm going to let it be enough? Or if it's really cold outside, an alternative is I'm going to turn on a yoga video and do 15 minutes of yoga and that counts. That's enough. I'm going to let it be enough. I instantly went to the image of me trying to do upward dog being <laughs> at the weight I'm in. There's no way. Or any, I'm not ready for that yet. What I'm saying is you're telling yourself it has to be a three mile walk. Yeah. That's just my normal loop. Okay. Yeah. It's about three miles. Yeah. And it, and, and it totally could be a walk. Could it also be something else if it's really cold outside? And so, you know, I have a Peloton and my husband, I, I used to do spin classes. I was actually a spin instructor and the seat like where my weight is, I am so uncomfortable yeah. that for one, we have to flip the Peloton around so I can look at the wall and not at the gym mirrors that are in there. We have to flip it around, but I am so sore and miserable. I'm not even comfortable on it to where okay. that, that kind of puts me in a headspace where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I, there's just no hope for me. That, that's where I'm at. I'm at the point where I can't even get on the Peloton until I feel like at least maybe 20 pounds lighter to where, where I am right now. Okay. So no Peloton. What else could it be? <laughs> um... Oh my gosh. Meditation, maybe? Okay. How long? 20 minutes. How about 10? 40 minutes. How about 10? 10 minutes. Yeah. This is where I love to be with people because I can see your brain like pushing it, pushing it, pushing it more, more, yeah, more. Yeah, all the time. And all the time. That's not good or bad, but what it does is it sets you up to have so many expectations of yourself. Yep. You've just given yep. yourself 10 new ways to feel like you failed. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, you nailed it. That's exactly how I feel. And feeling like you failed doesn't feel good. And it doesn't make you want to try again. It makes me want to go eat a cookie. Right. But if you say, all right, 10 minutes of meditation counts. 
because I say it counts. I'm going to let it be enough. I'm going to listen. There's going to be a part of my brain that always turns on and says, you can do more. Come on, do 20 minutes, do 30. And I'm just going to watch that part of my brain that comes online and starts firing and starts telling me it's not enough. It's not enough. I'm just going to say, I know, I know, but I decided 10 minutes counts and I'm just going to let it count. And it might, that might, here's the thing that might not feel amazing either. The first couple times you do it, but eventually what happens is you see yourself practicing a new way of compassionately speaking to yourself. Like you're not beating yourself up anymore. And it is a lot easier to meditate for 10 minutes and keep your word to yourself consistently than the crazy plans that your brain comes up with when it's on overdrive and wanting to prove that it can do all the things. I've talked about this on other episodes too with with my high, I mean I I am the definition true definition of high functioning anxiety like that is that is me what I do is when I'm not working I'm almost in autopilot mode getting ready for the next survival series yes. like that's kind of how my headspace works so I'm like I'll, I'm gung-ho about work try to give work 100% try to give my husband my you know my marriage 100% being a parent 100% my friendships so any downtime that I have to where I could be doing these things I shut down and get an autopilot mode to rest my mind but really I'm not resting my mind I'm thinking about the ways I can survive my next my next like you know was it naked and afraid you know what I mean like that's kind of what that, that's where my head goes yeah even though it's just probably taking my son to you know CrossFit or going to his basketball I'm prepping as if in my mind I'm prepping for war yeah and I think over time as I get older I've become exhausted well, by my own mind. And that's yeah. where I'm kind of shut down. Yeah. It's exhausting to constantly be gearing up for the next fight. And from the way you've described some of your attempts to diet and lose weight, it's just another fight, but you're just fighting yourself. Yeah. All right. So Adam, you're up. You're up next. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, you're cured? I'm, I'm not cured. <laughs> it's the start. I know I'm going to start. I'm going to start with my walks, meditation, and obviously more sitting down with Sarah more and talking through all this stuff because I'm going to have we're all going to have bad days good day we're human Sarah I'm going to wear I'm going to exhaust you Adam's been here in Boise visiting me for a week and a half he's exhausted he's actually so tired. he's actually <laughs> so back tired. to taking naps because I've exhausted him again I'm constantly go 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 cuz God forbid I sit down and sit with my feelings. I love you, though, despite your faults. <laughs> my faults. Shonda, so coming from you, yeah. Let me just give you. Here's the question. If you want to write it down, whatever. See, I knew you weren't fixed. Just, just let me, just let me, <laughs> let me offer you one, one thing. Just ask yourself the question: What is one thing I could do for myself today from compassion? That's it. If it's the 10 minute meditation, fantastic. If it's sitting down in a chair and taking deep breaths for three minutes, fantastic. But just ask yourself the question and make yourself answer it and see what comes up. But just real quick, I'm sorry, Adam. Real quick, I have another question. Oh, no, that's okay. I don't need fixing. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm good. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. That means he totally needs fixing. Um, so this morning, so I have a problem with patience. The meditation thing, even though I've downloaded all the apps, I've attempted it a few times, I kind of I kind of make up my own meditation, which is basically me sitting in my recliner watching The Office. <laughs> so I think that what, counts, actually. Good. OK, that, that's that's what I make up in my head. That's my meditation time. Um, and I and I read a lot, too. So that's 
kind of I, I love reading I love reading everything I mean anything I was like I was researching dinosaurs the other day like anyway long story short I I have such an issue with patience that I because I want to keep going and getting my stuff done that I don't even like stopping down to pump gas Sarah like <laughs> pumping gas is my worst nightmare to the point where I'll just put $20 in I will be like half a tank and I'm like oh, that's fine I'll just go I'll just deal with it here in a week or so that that's where I'm at right now I want it's like going to get like my hair done getting my nails done pumping gas that's taking time away from me getting stuff done. Isn't that strange? No, actually not strange at all. Because my feeling is, tell me if I'm wrong, is that getting stuff done is what makes you feel valuable. Yep, absolutely. And so yeah, if you're not getting things done, you're like, why am I sitting here meditating, which doesn't feel valuable to me at all, when I could be getting stuff done so that I get to feel really valuable at the end of the day. I mean, I will cuss out the gas pump. I will be angry that I have to do it. I'm like, why do I have to stop down to do this? So so let's not even go for 10 minutes. What is one thing? I, Shonda, I'm totally serious. And there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're telling me, I'm not even going to sit still for 10 minutes. I know that I won't do it. What's the point of saying you'll do it then? Let's come up with something that actually feels doable. Like sitting and taking breaths in like maybe a little more deeply than you might normally for 60 seconds. Okay, so let, let's just a reminder here. Sarah is talking about a 38 year old woman, not a toddler sitting in the corner having a fit. <laughs> this is like 60 seconds. Okay, Shana. time out for 60 seconds. I I know it's ridiculous that you that it's I'm a not, grown woman. It's not and I can't ridiculous. stop down. And the way yeah. just listen even to the way right now. You're talking to yourself like you're ridiculous. You're not an adult. You're not a grown woman. You're a child. None of that is true. You've just had a certain way of thinking and doing and being in the world. And you're realizing now, I don't like this anymore. And so anytime we take the way that we are and we make ourselves bad or wrong, that's just like another layer of judgment and criticism that we have to deal with before we can actually get to like the heart of what's really going on. So it's fine if if you want to continue to berate yourself in a joking way, but it's also yeah. not going to be helpful for you long term. Right. I'll be calling you next week for session number two. <laughs> Adam, I promise I'm not going to interrupt anymore. You're you're up. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think one thing that really didn't touch on yet, and maybe this is just me and not you, but I think what gets in my way, and it's not just about weight loss. Again, it's about self-image, and I don't think I've had a good self-image of myself since I was a kid. I'm very self-deprecating, and that comes from somewhere. You know, I don't feel like uh, I, you know, I'm not good looking. I'm not this. I'm not that. Uh, and when you talked about like loving yourself, I'm going to be honest, Sarah, I I don't know how to love myself. Because that hit hard when I, she said that. I wouldn't say I have self-hatred. I don't hate myself, but I don't think I'm anything special. Why not? You know? Which is a soft, which is a nicer way of saying that you hate yourself. Right. So why why do you think you don't think yourself you're something special? Uh, I don't know. I was I was. I was just that kid who was just kind of blended in the background when I was a kid, you know, just nothing. You know, I wasn't the popular kid. I wasn't the, you know, I didn't have girlfriends like the other guys. And, you know, I just, I never felt like I was anything special. I wasn't good at sports. I wasn't, you know, this and that. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
I kind of found my my calling when I when I got older and I got much more confident. But I don't know; those feelings are still there. I you know, a divorce. We talked about that in the last episode. Why don't I feel good enough? I, again, I ask myself, why wasn't I good enough for that? You know, I feel you know, rejected. I guess. Okay. You know, I don't know. I don't do very very well with rejection. Well, and we also talked about you, like when you found your calling and kind of, you know, where you're at now, it could be a lot of ego too protecting you. I don't know. Well, certainly to be clear, ego is part of our programming for survival, right? We have to feel good enough, important enough to, to take care of ourselves, to seek out, you know, medical attention and and to to all to to gather all the resources that we need to care for ourselves. And so the question then becomes though. Is the way you are talking to yourself, is that actually really verifiably true? Or has your brain tricked you into believing a story over the years that you just now accept as true because you've never looked at it? That could very well be it. Yeah, because what what you're telling me is I'm nothing special. Right. Like how how could that be true factually? You know, I don't know. I worked on this in in therapy, and I probably need to to, to get back into it because uh, I I stopped a while back. But my therapist, who I really enjoyed, she would always tr- she would say, "Okay, because see, it's easy for me to go into negative town. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm I'm cynical, I'm sarcastic. Um, a lot of people, you know, I rub some people the wrong way, and it's really it's really not who I am as far as." You know, I am. I'm a very nice person. I'm caring. Oh, I'm yeah. loyal to my friends and my great friends. You know, but I have this exterior where I'm. You know, I'm sarcastic, and I'm. I don't know why I do it. Um, but you know, it's easy for me to go down into that negative thought process and that rabbit hole. And she would always tell me kind of what you were saying. She goes, "Well, think about the the negative thought that you know. Okay." you aren't good enough, you know, you aren't worthy of love or whatever. Is that true? And I'll think, and I'll say, no. Okay. You have to like identify that negative thought and like cut it off at the beginning. So you don't go down that rabbit hole. And at least, I mean, if, if cutting it off feels like maybe I'm not, you're not quite there yet, at least just question it and at least see yourself as separate from it. Like my brain is offering me this sentence. I'm nothing special. It's just a sentence of words that is going through your brain. It's a sentence that's gone through a lot. And so a thought that we just have over and over and over and over again becomes a belief. But even that doesn't make it true. It just means that it's something we've thought a lot. Yeah. I, you know, I learned something from last episode from a 25-year-old woman. Yeah. And I have to give her credit because I have often said now that I'm back in the dating world, you know, you have guys, I'm 44, you know, and you have guys who will, you know, those guys who will like go out with a younger woman and they're like, you know, trying to impress their friends or whatever. And I've always said, oh my God, I would never go out with a 20 something. I, I, I couldn't even imagine what we would talk about. I mean, you know, and I kind of, I kind of like stereotype the 25 year old female, yeah. very narcissistic and whatever. And Jesse, yeah, from episode two. Holy crap! Yeah, you know she talked about getting over a divorce as as I was, and what you said she did. It was all about self care, self love, and I was I was amazed at that. She was so young to be to in that mindset, and because I just you know I I'm not that way, and I know I need to be. Well, and 
and to be fair, Adam, it's you are also the product of a lot of messaging about what makes people valuable, right? What your job yeah. is, who you're with, the car you drive, the clothes you wear. And then as you get older, right, it changes to the amount of money that you make, prestige. And so when we are using outside things to make us feel valuable, like Shonda, her to-do list, if it's done at the end of the day, she probably feels amazing, right? Oh, I do. I love the sound of the pencil hitting the paper. I'm like, check, yeah. check, we know, check. And you have enough pencil and paper pads around. <laughs> oh, I do. I have pencil Jeez. sharpeners in every room. Yeah. But the problem is when we rely on these outside things to give us our value, we just have to keep constantly chasing outside things. You know what I noticed too? I, I so you said something about someone said that, uh, oh, Adam's very fashionable. You are. It's it's funny how uh, I also have a lot of tattoos, which I think is like subconsciously I'm trying to like hide who I am. But I've always been into like buying clothes and shoes, and I think I tell myself that. Okay, well, I may not be in the best shape, and I may not look that good, but these clothes—you're super trendy. These clothes will make me feel better, and it doesn't matter how many clothes or pair of sneakers yeah. or whatever I buy; it's never enough, right? Right. Because that's not the real problem, right? Well, and you—you you bring up such an interesting point. The only reason that we ever take action is because of how we hope it will make us feel. So when Shonda charges into her day and gets a bunch of stuff done, she's hoping that all that stuff getting done will make her feel valuable, worthy, enough, you know, all those things. And when you're buying the clothes and shoes, like you just said, you're hoping it will make you feel better. But then Shonda gets up the next day and there's a whole other list of things to do. And you wear the clothes and shoes and you're like, eh, I just need more clothes and shoes. And so we're just constantly searching for things outside of us to give us this feeling because we've never been taught that that feeling of enough, we can actually just make that all on our own. And then we can still go get things done and we can buy clothes and shoes. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not giving the clothes and the shoes or the getting the to-do list stuff done. We're not giving those outside things the job of making us feel good because we're just doing that for ourselves. I just realized, and this happens every time, Shonda, in our relationship, we just painted me as the woman in the relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Clothes and shoes. Why? Why do I do that? I don't know. This Um, is our friendship. It's amazing when we just give ourselves permission to feel whatever we're feeling. Because going back for just a second to what I was talking about with, with Shonda, and maybe Adam, you can relate as well. When we're sitting in some kind of emotional pain, Usually our reflex, because we're programmed to avoid pain, is to go to something to turn the pain off. Buy something, eat something, watch something, do something. But that means that the pain just comes back later because we never actually just feel it and process it. So if we can learn to just say, I'm feeling sad right now. And when I feel sad, this is what my body feels like. And it just it feels kind of crappy, but I'm just going to let myself feel it. Then we teach ourselves, not only can I, I can feel any emotion, like, and that's the worst thing that's going to happen to me in any situation is I'm just going to feel sometimes really intense emotions, but I can do it and I can feel it all on my own. I can trust myself to do it. I have the confidence that I can just feel whatever I need to feel. And then I can either have a cookie or not, but not because I need it to numb my feelings. 
and you just nailed it Sarah because you know with with like I was kind of the opposite of with Adam you know I there like I was you know I was homecoming queen and prom queen and things like that like I you know I was pretty popular in school however I had a not so good childhood so because of my childhood I suffer from severe perfectionism and that is a prison. People are like, oh, you're perfect. No, it is a prison. And I cannot stress that enough. I stay busy because my feelings are sometimes so scary. I feel so lonely. I want nothing to do with them. So I stay busy, 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 busy. How can I feel better by achieving something else? This perfectionism, it's a vicious cycle for me. And you know, my mom, man, God love her. She did the best she could do. She had me at a very young age. But she had a horrible childhood herself, which then bled into our household. You know, I was physically abused. I was, you know, mentally, I mean, going through this with my therapist too, I was mentally abused. I felt like there were times where I was taking care of her and she wasn't a parent to me. And I had to fix everything. I'd help take care of my sister. And again, my mom always worked full time. We never did without, but there was that emotional and physical trauma um, of me not being good enough. Why am I getting hit? Why am I, you know, being called stupid? Why am I, why is she yelling at me because I didn't make her bed today? And why am I getting, you know, why am I going to school? I'm I'm getting called, you know, children's services at our house. I mean, it was, that was my childhood. And because of that, I mean, I know where it comes from, but again, it's, it's kind of led into my adult life to where it's still there. So for me to sit down and just be okay with those feelings, sometimes it's fine, other days, it's so lonely and scary that I want nothing to do with it. Let me, that, that makes a lot of sense. So one of the things that I'll work with you on is the fact that the story that you're telling yourself is what's creating these feelings. And it's absolutely a story that you can continue to hold on to, but we're just going to look at it. Remember, I, was, I was kind of doing this with Adam where I was encouraging him to look at this sentence in his mind, I'm, not, I'm nothing special as something separate from him. Like so many times we feel like our thoughts are us. Like they're just, they're undeniably, verifiably, capital T true, right? That's just how it was. Adam, he's like, I'm just nothing special. That's true. Neither one of us can handle praise, by the way. Neither (laughs) one of us, we get so uncomfortable with it. Somebody says, good job. We're like, you're lying. I don't want to hear it. I'm leaving right now. Because even good job, high five, we, we, we can't do it. You have some kind of story about what it means to be praised. And so in therapy and in coaching, a a lot of the cognitive behavior focused coaching and therapy is the same, where we just look at the story that you're telling and we ask the question, is this story beneficial? Is this story serving you in, in some way? And if it's not, how can we change it to where it's something that you still believe to be true but that has a different effect on you. I need a nap after this. <laughs> I've been telling myself, I know. I, I'm so like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm again, I'm diving into my thoughts. And yeah. It's, yeah. L- let me ask you, Sarah, real quick, because sure. uh, this is something I, I, it, it happens to me whenever I've gone through cycles of I'm in shape, I'm not in shape. And it's so messed up because I know what it feels like, you know, to be at my heaviest and then drop 25 pounds and then people say, oh, you look great. I feel great. But you think my brain, I would go, oh, I need to keep this up. But what happens, and I, I look back and I, kinda, I can kind of trace to each situation, each moment, 
I have something like a life change, like a move or my divorce, and it derails me and I go off the rails and I don't get back on. Is there any way, like tips that you can, you know, maybe suggest how to not get derailed, I guess? Absolutely. What are you, what are you defining as derailed? Let's do that first. Like divorce. Um, like, well, like, you know, I'm working out three, four times a week. I go from that to nothing. Okay. To just zero. Eating crap again, just eating whatever I want and not exercising at all. Okay. So at a certain point, you're exercising three to four times a week. And then at another point, you realize I'm no longer exercising three to four times a week. Right. Okay. So that, that's factually what's happening. Yes. What is the story that you're telling yourself when you realize that you're no longer working out three to four times a week? That, oh, something, you know, traumatic just happened or, you know, something, a big life change. So it's okay. You know, you'll get back on the horse. You know, it's okay. Okay. And then you see yourself not get back on, not not return to working three to four times a, a week. Right. Then what do you tell yourself? I just ignore myself. Okay. <laughs> Ignore okay. your feelings. Okay. Yeah. So until at, you go try on your pea coat for the right, winter and it right. doesn't fit you. Yeah. <laughs> so at a certain point, this is just a question: Are you judging yourself or criticizing yourself? You lose. Oh, or, absolutely. Okay. So just imagine that you mentioned you have a son, right? And at some point, he was learning how to walk, right? Mm-hmm. And he would walk a little bit, then he would fall down, and then he would walk a little bit, then fall down. Imagine what might have happened for him if he had had your self-talk in his head every time he fell down. I mean, you would never speak to him the way you speak to yourself, right? No. You would have never said, dude, you fell again. What's, what's going right. on here? What's the problem? Why aren't you walking? Get up. Do it again. What's the matter with you? You would have said, it's okay. You're going to try again later. You're going to get yeah. this done. You're going to do it. Or, hey. Why do you think you fell? Let's let's take a look. Was there a curb in the way? Did you hurt yourself? How are you doing? Most of us would never speak to the people that we love the way we speak to ourselves. That is so true. And I don't know. Shonda so and I true. have a pretty honest relationship. <laughs> we do. <laughs> well, maybe we do the two you. of you accepted. But Adam, right. when you yeah. think about, I mean, factually what happens, all that happens is you're working out three to four times a week. And then at some point you're not. And so you get to tell yourself whatever you want that to mean. Okay, it's time to get back to the gym. All right, we're going to take this a step at a time, right? We're just going to do one thing tomorrow. Right. Rather than piling it on, you loser piece of crap. Look, you did it again. You're never going to get this right. Or, or whatever it is that's going on in your head. That just contributes to you feeling worse about yourself. And feeling worse isn't going to get you to the gym. Sarah, what's your max sessions a week per patient? <laughs> I'm just Shana, wondering because every day. <laughs> I'm looking at your calendar because I have access to your calendar and I'm thinking there's about three spots next week. Is that too much? Not at all. Not at all. This, this is the work I love so much I would do for free because what I end up being able to show people is how their brain is creating their life. And how many of the things that they think are just hard and fast, true rules are actually completely optional. 
Yeah, as we're sitting here, I know when Adam was started his session, he starts like fidgeting and swishing his hands around. I started picking my nose. Oh my god! It, it was like it, like these little like little twitches. Like oh my gosh, I can't deal with this. What can I do? Because I'm stuck in this seat. We, we're talking about our when we're talking about our feelings. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, like guys, why why did I go been, to picking my nose as a thing? Like that's brave. weird. Super brave, super vulnerable. This is vulnerable. This is going to help a lot of people, and it's totally normal, especially. For both of you, even the behaviors that are no longer serving you, there was probably a time when they totally served you. They allowed you to get out into the world, to be successful, to take care of yourselves. And so the, one of the biggest things that I love to walk clients through is that at no point do you ever have to be bad or wrong. Like I used to do something I'm seeing it's no longer what I want to be doing because it just is not producing the kind of life I want to be living. And I need some help figuring out something new to do. And that's it. And if I could really just come back to the idea that I started with Shonda with is that the idea that we are just all inherently 100% valuable, good, enough, complete, lovable that's what's going on today, really, in the world, is we have this mass epidemic of people who do not love themselves. And so they act out in all these crazy, hurtful ways because they're, they're hurting. And they're not aware that the car they drive, the money they make, the positions they hold, the people they're with, those are just external things. But the thing that makes the hugest, like, life-changing difference for the clients that I work with is this idea that... I am 100% enough right now before I do anything, say anything, wear anything, earn any money, get anything done. And then from that place of 100% enough, what do I want to go do? I like the fact that Sarah said she loves this work so much she'd do it for free because I'm poor. I'm very poor. <laughs> and no, That's what you held on to. You know, no, it, what you're saying makes total, total oh, sense. And it does. It we does, just have to implement it into our yeah, lives. And it does make you feel better. I always recommend people for some kind of coaching or therapy. Oh, absolutely. Um, all the time because it, it does help. Well, there's just no way for you to objectively see your own brain working because you're on yeah. the inside. It's, it's just, it's tough for, it's impossible. I have a coach, right? I have someone that I work yeah. with because just seeing ourselves objectively is almost impossible. You're exactly right. And you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, and Adam and I talk about this all the time. It's like, it's so easy for me to do these things to myself and have this, you know, be inside my head and the, the self-hatred at times and things like that. However, like I went to school for psychology to figure out, I didn't realize that the, at the time I thought I was going to school because of a, I wanted a career change outside of, you know, my radio career. Um, but really I was going to understand myself. And I realized that quickly, uh, you know, probably within the first year going back to school, I said, oh my gosh, I, I wanted to do this to figure out myself and my self-awareness. And what I've learned through that is I can easily sit with, with Adam and, and break down his stuff for him and we get somewhere. Same with what he could do for me. It's so easy to be able to break down and see where other people are coming from than yourself. And I, I think, I don't know, I don't know if I do that just to, to maybe feel like I'm putting some good out into the world for the knowledge that I know. But then again, I go home and eat a cookie and don't want to do anything but, you know, not take care of myself for the most part. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not yeah. working for you anymore. It's not. That's true. 
I will tell you this, and I agree with uh, Dave because I think he said this the other day. You're probably the most self-aware person I've ever known. Yeah. And it's well, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's crazy that you're so self-aware, but you still struggle to fix yourself, I guess, or to help yourself. Yeah. T- yeah. At times, definitely. And I know, but I know where I'm at, and I know what I need to change. It's just as far. It's just getting it going and just right. doing it. You know that that's that's what I'm struggling with right now. But yes, I'm totally self-aware of what of what I'm doing wrong. I guess. So again, upping our sessions, Sarah. Let's do it. I'm on your calendar. Let's do it. <laughs> Three times next week, and I'll put you on speed dial too. Perfect. You've got my number. You can call anytime. Sarah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, hold up. Did you hear? Yeehaw. On the next Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. Coming up next week, it's a new month, a new series, and episode. Our February series will be Unconventional Love Stories. Now, the first episode, we'll dive into my marriage. My husband will join the show, and it's called Am I Hard to Deal With? Ooh, that's a little taste of what's to come next week on Intentionally Disruptive. This podcast is all about everyday people sharing their story, their triumphs, because, I mean, we're all broken. Every single one of us are broken and a constant work in progress. And this is all about people helping people. And you've helped me today. Intentionally Disruptive is presented by Microbe Formulas. Creating solutions at work is what we do. Restoring hope and health is who we are. Visit us at microbeformulas.com.